All right, everybody, I'm Logan Alec. I'm a CPA, and in this video, I'm going to share with you 15 Roth IRA warnings and pitfalls because, I mean, everybody loves a Roth IRA, right? Until they don't. Everybody loves Raymond unless you haven't seen it. Everybody loves ice cream unless you're lactose intolerant. And everybody loves Roth IRAs until they screw theirs up. Roth IRAs do have major tax benefits, to be sure. I have a, I have a Roth IRA. Uh, I helped my wife set up a Roth IRA. I set up Roth IRAs for my kids. There are benefits to the Roth IRA, with the major one being that you can put money in your Roth IRA today, invest it, and that growth and, and income on your investments in your Roth IRA, you can tap into it tax-free when you turn 59 and a half years old. So unlike a traditional IRA, where you get a tax deduction now for your contribution, assuming you're eligible for the deduction, Unlike the traditional IRA, where you get a deduction now, but the growth in your account is merely tax-deferred, with the Roth IRA, the growth is truly tax-free, assuming you play by the rules. That is the major benefit of the Roth. There are others, but that is the big one. Um, I have another video here on the channel comparing and contrasting Roth IRAs to traditional IRAs. Link to that video is at the top of the screen, as well as in the description below. But in this video, I want to talk about Roth IRA warnings and pitfalls, if you will. So let's get right into it. Before we do, I do want to say this video is sponsored by my own Prosper course. Uh, in this course, I basically share with you all the knowledge I've gained over the years about investing and building wealth, both personally and professionally as a CPA. There's a coupon code to that course in the description below. But let's get right into these 15 Roth IRA warnings and pitfalls. Pitfall number one is not exploring other investment options and assuming it's Roth robust. Even if the Roth IRA does make more sense for you than a traditional IRA, there are other kinds of investments you may want to consider before jumping into a Roth, such as maybe your first rental property. Now, throughout my 20s, I was fortunate enough to be in a position where I could max out uh, my IRAs uh, as well as save for a down payment on my first piece of real estate, which was a four-unit property in a rural part of Los Angeles County where I live. I lived in one of the units, and I rented out the other three. I also rented out the bedroom in my unit as well and slept on a mattress on the floor that my then girlfriend, now wife, gave me. Uh, let's just say that back then I was definitely a minimalist, not necessarily for the sake of minimalism, but for the sake uh, of investing as much money as possible. I was able to purchase this property with an FHA loan with only 3.5% down. It has turned out to be a great investment. Uh, my property manager has increased the rents over the years, and I currently collect $4,435 a month in rent. We're actually going to increase the rents on one of the units uh, next month. Uh, well, my monthly mortgage payment on this property, these four units, which includes principal, interest, taxes, insurance, is $2,908 a month. So the rents I collect right, are, are $1,527 more than my monthly payment. Of course, there's you know repairs and, and capital expenditures and, and vacancies come up from time to time. So that's not necessarily my, uh, you know, my cash flow every month, but this asset still does generate cash flow for me every month. It's also appreciated hundreds of thousands of dollars since I purchased it. And my initial investment, right, because I only put 3.5% down, was only $15,000, right? Because this was years ago and the market was cheaper and, uh, you know, I didn't put a lot down. So uh, in 20, 30 years, right, I'm going to be sitting on a paid off piece of property worth seven figures that cash flow is possibly five figures a month, right? Obviously, uh, inflation may make those figures uh, not quite as impressive in 30 years, but that is still a great return on a $15,000 investment, right? That could be a great retirement. I don't want to make this a real estate video, but my point is if you're willing to do something like this, it might be worth it, right? If you have to choose, right? While you're young to forego the Roth for a few years and get into a rental property with low down payment. Obviously, this is not investment advice. All investment carries risk, 
right? And when you borrow to invest, that just amplifies your risk. So please keep that in mind. But my point is, don't just assume it's Roth or bust, right? You could ideally do Roth and real estate, but I know that's not an option for everybody. Of course, keep in mind that if you do forego the Roth to invest in real estate, uh, that deal may never transpire, right? And you will have missed your opportunity to contribute to a Roth. Or maybe what you could do is contribute to your Roth and withdraw your contributions tax-free if and when you do find that rental property because you can withdraw Roth contributions at any time. Uh, that is perhaps one of the only times that I'd be comfortable with somebody taking money out of their Roth to put into another investment. Uh, just keep in mind, right, if the market tanks and your Roth value goes down, that may get in the way of you having enough for that down payment on that rental property. So there's a lot to think, uh, think about here. I'm not a financial advisor. This isn't financial advice. This isn't investment advice. Uh, but I just want to get those gears turning in your head, right? So maybe start thinking outside the box a bit so you can build a lifetime of wealth for yourself and your family, right? Roth is a great investment vehicle. I love Roth, but keep an open mind. Pitfall number two, contributing to a Roth IRA without earned income. Unlike a taxable brokerage account, you need earned income to contribute to a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA for that matter. Uh, there is an exception for spouses. I'll probably do a video on that uh, in the future. But in general, the most you can contribute to an IRA for the year is the smaller of the statutory limitation, which for this year is $6,000 if you're under age 50 or $7,000 if you're age 50 or older uh, by the end of the year. Um, so the lesser of that amount based on your age um, or your earned income for the year. What is earned income? Generally speaking, in layman's terms, it's money you make for doing stuff, right? So your wages from your job, um, self-employment income you have, right? And it's the net self-employment, not the gross, the net self-employment income, right, that you report on Schedule C, less the deduction for contributions made on your on, on your behalf uh, to business retirement plans, like for example, a SEP, and less the deduction for one half your self-employment tax liability for the year. So if you have a job, you have a small business that, you know, sustains your living expenses and all that, it's presumably more than $6,000 a year. Uh, so you would be able to contribute the max um, for your age. And this is why, although a Roth IRA is a great strategy for kids, and many kids can't contribute to a Roth because they don't have earned income. Obviously, if they have a job or a side hustle, they can, but most kids don't have earned income, so they're not eligible to contribute to an IRA. Our little ones are, because we actually have a family vlog here on YouTube that generates a little bit of ad revenue every month, and we allocate a portion of that ad revenue to our children. That is their earned income. That is how they are able to contribute to a Roth IRA as toddlers and infants. Pitfall number three, contributing directly to a Roth IRA with too much income. So the IRS has rules in place that say if you make more than this amount for the year based on your filing status, then you can't contribute directly to a Roth IRA. Here's the IRS table that shows these amounts by filing status for 2021. Basically, let's say you're married filing jointly and you and your spouse's modified adjusted gross income for the year, um, which for simple filers is, is basically just how much you make, right? Let's say that amount is greater than or equal to $208,000. That's the case. Both spouses aren't eligible to directly contribute to a Roth IRA for 2021. If they make at least $198,000, but less than $208,000, they're eligible to contribute a reduced amount to a Roth IRA. It's kind of phased out there. Uh, so not the maximum $6,000 or $7,000, but a reduced amount based on how much they make. But if they make less than $198,000, they can directly contribute uh, the maximum $6,000 or $7,000 amount for the year to a Roth. Um, if you do contribute to a Roth, an amount you're not eligible for, you will pay a 6% excise tax to the IRS every year. Your excess contribution remains in your Roth. I've seen this happen a lot with clients. You know, they make less than the threshold amounts generally, so they front load their Roth at the beginning of the year. They contribute the maximum, but then they get a large bonus right at the end of the year. They did some day trading or something like that, and they, they took their income over the limits. Well, now what do you do? Well, 
The good news is you can fix it, no harm, no foul, uh, by your tax return deadline for the year, typically April 15th. You can simply take the money out along with any earnings attributable to those over contributions. Uh, so that's one thing you can do, or you can recharacterize the contribution as a traditional IRA contribution, which may not be the best answer based on your situation. Um, the best thing to do to avoid getting in this situation in the first place is to simply utilize a backdoor Roth IRA. Using a backdoor Roth IRA, you can contribute to a traditional IRA and then convert the traditional IRA money into a Roth IRA, thereby getting around the Roth IRA income limitations in this way. Um, I do a video I made a few years ago on how to do this with a Vanguard. See a link to my video on how to do a backdoor Roth IRA at Vanguard. Link at the top of the screen as well as in the description below. On that note, pitfall number four is not taking into account the pro rata rule for backdoor Roth IRAs if you have existing traditional IRA balances. This topic can get complicated and probably warrants its own video, but for now, let me just break it down like this. If you have existing traditional IRA balances and you took tax deductions for these uh, traditional IRA contributions, then the IRS views your traditional IRA balances as one big lump sum. And when you go to do a backdoor Roth IRA, even if you just want to do it for this year's contributions, right? This year's traditional IRA contributions that you aren't going to take a tax deduction for, the IRS says, uh uh uh, you need to group your current year uh, traditional IRA contributions with your previous traditional IRA contributions and calculate pro rata how much of your conversion is taxable versus non-taxable. Let's make things easy here with an example. Let's say you have a traditional IRA balance of $10,000. You all you always took deduction for the contributions, et cetera, et cetera. And you want to backdoor $6,000 uh, this year. Well, the IRA says what you have to do is divide your old traditional IRA balance, right, of $10,000, over your uh, total traditional IRA balance um, after you've made the backdoor contribution to the traditional IRA, but before you convert it to a Roth, and that's the percentage of your backdoor contribution that's taxable per the pro rata rule. So in this case, we divide $10,000, that's the old traditional IRA balance, by $16,000, that's the old plus the new, let's call it, that percentage is 62.5%. So when you backdoor that $6,000 this year, 62.5% of it, or $3,750 of it, is taxable. So you really gotta track this stuff Talk to a professional if you're not sure about this stuff. And again, on that note, pitfall number five, this is a quick one, but pitfall number five is not completing form 8606 for your tax return when you do the backdoor Roth or do Roth conversions or even take distributions from your Roth IRA. Pitfall number six is missing the deadline to contribute to a Roth IRA. I see this every year. People think they have until the extended due date of their return right, for a given year to make an IRA contribution for that year, and that's just not the case. Extensions don't count when it comes to the IRA contribution deadline. The deadline to contribute to an IRA for the year is the original tax filing deadline for that year. So, for example, the deadline to contribute to a 2021 IRA, unless the IRS extends uh, the tax filing deadline uh, for some reason, like it did uh, during the pandemic, uh, but apart from that, the deadline to contribute to an IRA for tax year 2021 is Friday, April 15, 2022. You can file an extension time to file uh, your tax return uh, by six months, but that doesn't extend your deadline to contribute to an IRA for tax year 2021. Of course, you can contribute to an IRA for a given year as early as of the first day of that year. So the first day to contribute to a 2021 IRA was January 1st, 2021. Last day, apart from the IRS, you know, extending the deadline for some reason is April 15, 2022. Pitfall number seven is contributing to a Roth IRA when a traditional IRA might make more sense. Obviously, given how the Roth and the traditional um, are essentially converses of each other in terms of tax benefits, to know for certain which is better for you right now, you'd have to know a number of things about the future 
that are impossible to tell right now unless you have a crystal ball. You have to look through the quarters of time, right, and see if Congress changed any of the rules in the future, right, for one thing, between traditional and Roth IRAs by the time you retire. Uh, you'd have to know what tax rates are going to be like in the future. You'd have to know uh, what your income is going to be like in the future, especially when you retire. So it's, it's impossible to say for certain, for absolutely certain what the future holds. But in general, rule of thumb here, not investing advice, but in general, the higher your income, the higher your current tax rate is, especially uh, compared to your projected future tax rate in retirement, the closer you are to retirement, the more the traditional IRA might make more sense. Just think about it for a second. Let's say this year, uh, you're 55 years old, you're in a 32% tax bracket, you're going to retire in five years, and you'll be in that 12% tax bracket throughout your retirement. Let's say you knew that somehow with a crystal ball, uh, and you want to contribute to an IRA for the first time, right? Uh, and start taking distributions um, right when you start retirement in five years. Does it make sense to forego a 32% deduction today to avoid a 12% tax on your distribution in five years, right? Probably not, right? Unless the returns in your IRA are astronomical over that short period of time or something like that, right? So my point is the Roth isn't always the right answer. It really depends on your situation. But generally speaking, if you're young, you're decades away from retirement and you're in a low tax bracket, the Roth, generally speaking, looks more uh, attractive than a traditional. But if you're in a higher tax bracket, closer to retirement, traditional, generally speaking, just rule of thumb, might start looking more attractive. Pitiful number eight is not investing the money in a Roth IRA. I was on Instagram the other day and there was a financial influencer talking about her Roth IRAs had great returns the past few years, which makes sense because, well, just look at the market, right? Uh, and somebody commented on that Instagram post. Someone commented, wait, what? I have a Roth IRA and have gained almost nothing in eight years. That is tragic. That's absolutely tragic, folks. I don't know this person who commented, but I'm almost certain that the reason her Roth IRA gained almost nothing in eight years is because she didn't invest the money in her Roth. She might have put money into her Roth, but she didn't actually select investments for the money in her Roth to invest it. And that's absolutely tragic, given that this was during the longest bull market in the U.S. Uh, on record. Right? So what should you invest in? I'm not a financial advisor. This is not investment advice, but personally, my Roth IRA is mostly in low-cost index fund ETS. If you want to learn more about my personal investing philosophy, check out my Prosper course. Link with the coupon code is in the description below. Pitfall number nine is withdrawing money too early from your Roth IRA. Because look, you contribute to a Roth IRA with after-tax money. You don't get a deduction for the amounts you put in, so you can withdraw your contributions at any time, tax-free and penalty-free. And while that's true, I want to do that in most cases, right? Like I mentioned at the beginning of the video, if maybe you find a killer small multifamily, you can get in for FHA low down payment, the numbers still work, okay, maybe. But other than that, the truth is you're very limited in how much money you can contribute to a Roth IRA every year. And on your investments in your Roth IRA, you can enjoy tax-free growth for decades and decades and decades. So why would you want to take branches off that money tree, right? Look, I understand things come up, life happens, but that's right. Uh, that's why you really want an emergency fund. Okay, to cover those things so you don't have to raid your tax advantage retirement accounts. The same logic here applies to the exceptions, right, that, that can allow you to withdraw money out of a Roth IRA before 59 and a half. There, there's a few of them, right? Maybe I'll cover those in another video. Uh, but one of them is if you're a qualified first-time home buyer, right? You can withdraw up to $10,000 uh, from a Roth IRA to purchase a home, and you can avoid the 10% penalty on earnings, right? Just because you can do that doesn't necessarily mean you should. It might make sense for some people, but... In general, I want you to enjoy as much tax-free growth in your Roth IRA 
as possible and not take any money out before you need to. Pitfall number 10 is not listing a beneficiary on your account. This is super easy to do, right? If you set up a, a Roth IRA through a big you know, online brokerage like Fidelity or Vanguard or Schwab, the point of adding a beneficiary to your account is it just makes it easier um, for when you pass away for your account to go to whom you want it to go to. On all my wife's and my accounts, we are each other's uh, beneficiary. We have contingent beneficiaries as well, but we're each other's primary beneficiary. Now, I'm not an estate planning lawyer. Obviously, this is not legal advice. If you have questions about whom you should list as a beneficiary and contingent beneficiaries and all that in your retirement accounts, please consult with an estate planning attorney. Pitfall number 11 is not considering Roth conversions, right? Taking that, that pre-tax traditional IRAs you might have uh, and converting them, possibly piecemeal, right? To not knock you into another tax bracket into a Roth IRA. This can make sense, especially if you're looking at having a low income year, right? You're taking a year off or something like this. Um, and when you do this, when you do a Roth conversion, you make that money permanently tax-free, which was previously tax deferred. Yes, you have to pay the conversion tax, right? So hopefully you do this when you're in a low tax bracket. The analysis is much more involved in this. Roth conversions probably warrant their own video, but the pitfall here is not considering conversions at all, right? Because depending on your situation, they might be worth it. Pitfall number 12 is holding the wrong assets in a Roth. I had a client once, uh, he was super conservative with his portfolio. Somewhere along the line, he heard that he should invest heavily in municipal bonds, also known as muni bonds. And in general, uh, well, I'm not gonna say in general, oftentimes interest earned on muni bonds is tax-free, at least at the federal level. Uh, with states, it gets a little trickier because different states have different rules. But this guy was in Florida, no personal income tax. The trade-off, of course, you get with muni bonds is in the long run, you're not going to get nearly the kind of returns you're going to get on stocks, right? Generally speaking, in the long run. But he had his Roth all in Mooney bonds. And this guy was young too. Well, he wasn't like a kid, but but he was in his 40s, right? Decades from retirement. I told him, look, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't give investment advice, but bro, these Mooney bonds are tax-free for you anyway. Why are you holding them in a Roth? Maybe consider investing your Roth in a more aggressive way than Mooney bonds and, you know, hold, uh, you know, if you want to be in Mooney bonds, put it in a taxable account. So just like your asset allocation matters, your asset location matters as well. Really think about and be smart about what kind of assets you want to hold in your Roth or other tax advantage retirement accounts versus in taxable accounts. Pitfall number 13 is ignoring the five-year rule, or should I say rules. So there are a few five-year rules for Roth IRAs. Uh, one of them is that for your earnings in your Roth IRA to come out tax-free once you reach the age of 59 and a half, at least five years must have passed since you made your first contribution to any Roth IRA in your name. This obviously isn't a problem if you opened up your Roth in your 20s and now you're 59 and a half, but for some folks who get started with this later in life, they can bump into that issue. There's also a five-year rule for Roth conversions, which is that you have to wait five years before withdrawing any converted balances. It's important to note that in both cases, your five-year period begins on January 1st of the year, your first Roth contribution or the year of your conversion. Pitfall slash warning number 14 is that it's possible that in the future, Congress will change the Roth IRA rules because that's just something they can do to raise more revenue. For example, current House Ways and Means Chair Richard Neal, Democrat from Massachusetts, recently said that he has directed Ways and Means to draft a bill that will, quote, stop IRAs from being exploited and to consider limiting the total amount of money that can be saved in tax-preferred retirement accounts. Now, in his statement, Neil also did seem to imply that the ultra-wealthy are the ones uh, being potentially targeted here, not necessarily just you know average people like you and me, but who knows what will happen over the years and decades to come. So keep that in mind. And finally, pitfall number 15 is not opening a Roth IRA at all. While Roth IRAs don't necessarily make sense for everybody, and you may want to prioritize, say, buying your first rental property maybe, I can tell you that Roth IRAs make a lot of sense for a lot of people, especially younger people 
who are in lower tax brackets. I do a video right over here explaining the differences between traditional and Roth IRAs, as well as a video on investing for beginners right down here. And if you want a more in-depth explanation about my approach to investing and taxes and retirement accounts and budgeting and wealth building and all that, be sure to check out my Prosper course. Link to that course is in the description below, along with the coupon code for my loyal YouTube audience. I'll see you there. Bye-bye.